Hello, hello everyone. I am Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I'm talking to you from London, UK. It's seven o'clock in the evening here and I'm visiting my daughter who studies in college in Westminster College. I decided to take a couple of weeks off to spend time with her uh, because she is on uh, the school break. I consider myself to be a very fortunate man. I have a 20-year-old and a 23-year-old. Uh, this young woman who, who is about to turn 20, independent, smart, and still wants to spend time with her dad. <laughs> How fortunate I am, honestly. So these two weeks, I don't see clients. I don't teach classes. But I did not want to skip any shows here at PRM. So today and the next Tuesday, I will be talking to you from UK. Here in Europe, uh, you really feel that there is a war going on on the continent. When I told my friends who have been inviting me to London uh, for a long, long time, for a few years, uh, they come from my city, from Odessa, Ukraine. Uh, they were so excited when I said, yeah, I'm coming, because they knew, know that my daughter is studying here. So they picked me up from the airport. And as we were driving uh, to their house, they told me, by the way, um, you will make new friends. A family from Odessa, from our city, is staying with them. Um, young couple with two children. It's it's real, you know. I was speaking to this boy who's ten years old, has panic attacks, heard explosions, and these are people who did not see killings, did not see horror that you see on television. They actually left Odessa uh, just before they closed the exit of men, because now uh, women can leave Ukraine, but Men cannot. So uh, it's it's unnerving because regardless whose side you are on politically, when you meet these people, uh, hear their stories, it's it's painful. Particularly that you know Russians and Ukrainians are like brothers. They went through World War Two. They went through World War One. Even though some Ukrainians, yes, did, did collaborate with the Nazis. But right now, to see this in our modern times, it's weird. I remember a while ago, maybe 20, 25 years ago, I was speaking to a French friend of mine in Paris. And we said, you know, we're so fortunate. There will be never a war in Europe. Because every war is really economical at its root. It's all about money. It's all about resources. And we both agreed that Europeans found a way, uh, made peace more profitable than war. Even though war is very profitable, they, they sell weapons, but they made, they made it possible for people to travel uh, young people travel all through Europe. Now there is this Eurotrain, 
they can go from country to country. It was so beautiful. And suddenly on this continent, once again, there is a war. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. On anyway, on the positive note, yeah, my daughter, today it was a beautiful day. She took, she took me to central London. I'm a little bit in the northern London, staying with my friends. And we went to uh, art galleries. And I have to tell you, those of you who like art, you have to go on the internet. I cannot even describe to you uh, the art that I saw of one artist, Dominic Harris. Dominic and Harris, really last, last name like our vice president. Uh, how can I describe? It's, it's done through technology. Imagine uh, a panel four feet uh, horizontally, eight feet vertical, and probably one foot thick because there are so many kind of, um, I don't even know, like old technology, I don't know anything about it. But I know that it takes like six months to work on it, a team of 10 people, they create through different algorithms and whatever it is, these pictures that, as they say, the picture never repeats two times and it's in constant motion, give you an idea. There is this uh, picture with, with butterflies and you see just no, not a big deal, butterflies. And then you go, oh, and butterflies as, as if suddenly they got scared and they fly. And then you clap and they change their movement. And then they, there, is, there is one panel they have a water world underwater and you, you touch the screen and the scene is changing and, and the fish moving and then the, you go underwater. It's such an incredible journey. You can look at one panel and spend an hour just, just there is a mountain scene and it's changing and you, uh, you can stand close and then the, the picture will accept your sh shadow and it will become part of the painting. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that I'm describing it well. Uh, but I would say, fine, go on the internet and read up if you're interested in art. It's very unusual. Dominic Harris. I've seen, I went to a couple of other galleries, which were also very interesting, but that's just regular art. But this has never been done and, and nobody else is doing it now. This, this is a very, very unique art. Anyway, now we go back to our show. As you already know, every show now is an open mic, uh, open mic show. Everybody is welcome to call with any questions regarding well-being, health, physical, mental, emotional healing. Remember, my specialty is mind-body integrative therapy. You can call with your comments and or questions. I will be covering some subject because I, I need to talk. I don't want to sit quietly and uh, wait for your calls. So I will be talking about something or perhaps responding to a question someone asked me through the email or talking about something that pops into my mind. But at any time, I will gladly put my talk on pause and take your call. 
The number to call is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. If you cannot call and would like to send me an email, you can send it to drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z and as an NCIK at gmail.com. Last week we spoke about the main subject was about starting your life over at, as the lady wrote, uh, the golden age at 60. I would love to hear your feedback, what you thought about that talk, uh, if it triggered your own thoughts, if you would like to contribute to the subject, you're absolutely welcome to do it at any moment. Last week, I also continued our journey through the six pillars of well-being. We are still on the fifth pillar, our conscious beliefs, attitudes, and character traits. And I started speaking about self-centeredness. I looked, I think I told you that this subject I did not write up all 13 other subjects um, we went through, like uh, guilt, denial, uh, anger, and so on. You know this, uh, all the subjects are covered in many different shows that you can find in my archives. But those I already wrote uh, about and they're part of my book that I'm still writing. But this subject, um, self-centeredness, I did not complete. I'm still doing research. But I found a good article, so I want to start with it. I think I started last week, just started talking about it. I looked up uh, what different authors were saying about self-centeredness and found an article written in, on February 3rd this year by Ashley Lederer, and she talks about the seven signs uh, that you're dealing with a self-centered person and five ways to handle them. And I am aware that of the fact that we were mostly talking, if, yeah, yes, mostly we were talking about uh, qualities that you recognize in yourself rather than uh, you're recognizing in others. But this, this is quite an interesting article, and so I would like to share with you the article, and then I will tell you what I think about it and uh, what I think about the subject, and as usual, I will give some assignments. But please, please, please remember, uh, I welcome your calls. We can always continue talking about self-centeredness and a few other subjects that we need to cover. But I, I would love uh, to hear your call. So uh, the first sign that a person is a self, self-centered self person is that they have one-sided conversations. When talking to a self-centered person, you may notice that they tend to monopolize conversation. For example, you might begin to share about how difficult 
your day was or what happened when you went on the trip and suddenly they change it. Uh, they say, oh, yes, you know what happened to me, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. Uh, this self-centered behavior uh, happens because a person really uh, cannot imagine another person's perspective and, and they're actually not interested. Uh, when, when you talk to a self-centered person like this one you're sharing, it just gives them an opportunity it gives them a subject to talk about themselves. So that's that's one, uh, how do you call it, uh, sign or shade or aspect uh, of self-centeredness. Um, another one is that they don't reciprocate someone's effort. They act as if um, they were entitled to it. I actually spoke spoke about this sense of entitlement when I spoke about ingratitude, if you remember. So uh, one of the ways ingratitude is expressed is that uh, you know a person receives. They are takers, they are not givers. And the incredible thing is that like, they accept it as natural. And what I do if a person somebody shares with me that they keep giving to somebody or that they keep just giving to everybody and very often they do not get anything back. So then I say to them that possibly, possibly uh, they act in a way that they actually create parasites. Not always, I'm saying that one of the ways um, to to find people use you is always to offer your help and when they ask you to if you want something you you say no 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 thank you thank you thank you I'm fine and you will and in fact I heard from some people they say you know this and this and this friend they do things for others but for me they never do they expect me to do and I say okay that's very simple you can test it. Like for one week, uh, keep giving, but also ask them for favors. And if suddenly they disappear, it means they're really, you were a willing host and they were willing parasites. You give, they take, and suddenly you ask to give. And that's not the name of the game. The rules must change. So when something like this happens, when people really were not your friends, but parasites, then there is a chance that they will disappear from your life because they don't like it, because you already trained them or it's their nature just to take. But other people who you're really friends and you were always saying no, no, no to them if they wanted to reciprocate, suddenly they, they hear that you're asking for favor, they would be very happy to reciprocate. This way, when you lose, you lose someone you don't need in your, in your life in the first place, and when you find, uh, you find a friend who is happy to give you as much as you give. So that's that's regarding people who are self-centered. But as, as I said, or the article said, self-centered people do not, are not interested in reciprocating in small or big. It's just, it just doesn't come to their mind. 
uh, when, if you discover that you are that kind of a person, we'll talk about it, how we can work on it. But right now we're discussing what happens when you find uh, self-centered people in your life. And by the way, we already spoke about this principle, uh, and I think I repeat it very often because it's a foundation of understanding life, I believe. Uh, that which is inside is outside. It's so beautifully expressed graphically in by the Chinese with yin and yang symbol. That which is inside is outside, that which is outside inside is inside. So if you uh, encounter self-centered people, more than likely if you examine thoroughly the situation, either you are self-centered, either in through action or even through thoughts or expectations, or you are willing uh, giver or parasite creator, which means uh, you attract people who will use you, and you're a person who doesn't mind being used. That needs to be examined. It's not 100% what I say, because there are other reasons um, people come into each other's lives, but it's one of the reasons. So, uh, the third, the third um, sign that people are self-centered is that they can consistently lack perspective. Self-centered people usually lack empathy, maybe not entirely, but at least enough uh, that they struggle to put themselves in other people's shoes. Uh, this can show up as refusing to see someone else's side uh, when, when they have a disagreement, disregarding other people's views, beliefs, or opinions as invalid. So that's but why, because the universe, you know, is going around them. It's everything about how they view the world. And often people who are extremely self-centered, they will be shocked and offended that you cannot share their perspective. Or even in giving, in giving, they, uh, if you ask a question and they give you an advice, they're absolutely convinced that you have to follow it. And if you did not follow, they're angry and say, why did you ask me? But you ask for an opinion, not for giving up your freedom. It's just you want, we're interested in their opinion. But no, once they said something, they value their opinion so much that they expect you to follow 100% what they say. Uh, the fourth sign that you're talking about with a self-centered person is that self-centered people will preferably do things their own way and basically take the attitude, my way or highway. Again, uh, it comes from uh, I would say comes also they're self-centered, but it's also then comes from arrogance. And we already spoke about arrogance in one of the shows. Maybe we spoke about it like three, four months ago, maybe five months ago. So if you're interested in the subject of self-centeredness, I would recommend you also uh, listen to the show when I talk about 
about um, arrogance. And it's very simple, you know, when you look at this, I have very short write-ups to every show. So like three, four lines, and I talk usually, it's I write up that we spoke about um, arrogance or guilt or anger, whatever. So you can easily find it if you're interested in the subject. Uh, and the fifth sign is that people are self-centered people are inconsiderate. They will often do everything uh, for themselves on their terms without taking the needs or desires of others into consideration. For example, they might choose activities or go to a restaurant or movie that they prefer regardless of whether you like them or not. They are not great companions. Uh, or they expect other people to be good companions, that is, to follow them. Again, it comes from arrogance also, because they definitely know what to do. It's kind of insulting if you offer your opinion. The sixth sign that the person is self-centered is that they're controlling. Uh, it's common for self-centered people to come off as rigid and controlling, since they they may want things to do go exactly this their way. Uh, we'll at one point we'll talk about another uh, character trait like stubbornness. So self-centered people may be quite st stubborn because it has to go the way they decided because they know better. If the partner or roommate is controlling, they might insist that the things uh, in your home are arranged in a certain way, or that the chores must be done specifically the way they want them to be done. Uh, and the seventh sign that the person is um, self-centered, they are unable to receive or respond to feedback. That's, that's from my opinion, it's, it's very tragic because then there is no hope that anything can change. If you try to give a self-centered person your feedback uh, about how they act, it's likely they won't take it seriously, won't respond uh, or change and their behavior won't take responsibility for what they do. Because deep inside, they know, of course, it's all nonsense. Uh, because they know. Why? Because it's them. They may get defensive and fail to see the consequences of their actions or simply disregard the feedback. Um, if something isn't hurting them, they cannot understand why to deal with the issue, why somebody is bringing it up, because what you feel, what you think, for them it's totally unimportant. But you understand that I give you an extreme, really extreme perspective, uh, not, not all self-centered self people are created equal, right? I want to give you an example. 
uh, I thought about it, like this, I discussed it with my sister, in fact, a while, like a couple of years ago, about my self-centeredness. You know, I was blessed growing up with my older brother and my sister. And my brother is seven years older, my sister is five years older. And I was really a pain in the ass. You know, <laughs> my, I would not go to sleep till my brother, I sit on, when I was like four or five years old, I would sit on his back and he would like be my horse. And then my sister would sing songs to me, which was fine. I cannot even imagine why they loved me, but they did. I felt very cared for and loved. Uh, and, and so I grew up as a youngest child and my parents loved me. But uh, I remember when I was, uh, my sister and I actually were laughing a couple of years ago when, when we acknowledged this, or remembered it. I remember uh, I was maybe 19, no, 19, I was already in military. I was like 18 or maybe even 17 years old. Uh, my sister and I are very close, always have been. And I was at her home, which was three, four times a week. And it was evening time, and I um, got up and made... No, no. She got up and made tea for me and for her. And suddenly something like struck me. And I said, Ina, you just made tea for me and for you. I realized when I go to make tea, that is in her house, I said, I make it only for myself. And she laughed and said, I was waiting till you notice it. And it's so sweet. But that time it was just, just shocking. And I definitely started making tea for her and for me and became aware of how self-centered I was. But later on, like as years, years passed, uh, I thought it was very sweet and very kind of my sister. And I don't know, maybe it would be better if she would tell me sooner. But maybe she wanted me to discover it and she, uh, on my own, and she had faith that I would. <laughs> but it took me a long, long time. I'm a very slow learner. Okay, let's go back to, uh, remember this author actually is offering tips on how to deal with someone who is self-centered. So if you are struggling with a self-centered uh, self person, uh, number one, you have to set boundaries. Setting boundaries with someone who is self-centered can help you interact on your own terms. It can also help you avoid situations where they drain your energy and monopolize your time. Uh, and honestly, I had these experiences, particularly because of, of my uh, profession as in, in social situations. Somebody would walk over and say, how are you? And before I say how I am, they go telling me about their life and they don't just don't stop. And, and so I would, I would say, uh, excuse me, uh, eventually when I understood that, that the person just wants to vent and I would ask literally, uh, please uh, tell me, um, are you looking for feedback or you're just venting? 
and the person will, will say, let's say, say, I, I, I need your advice, I would listen, then, then the person is in the emergency, you know. But uh, if they say, no, no, just venting, I would, and A, if it was a conversation only one-sided, I would say, you know, what you say is very important to you. Notice I didn't lie. I didn't say very important, period, because maybe it's not important to me. I didn't come to hear stories. I, uh, you know, came to relax. But I say, what you're saying is very important to you, and I would love to give you my full attention. But right now, I can't. So uh, I'm sorry. And I would walk away because... Uh, I, I encountered that. So putting boundaries is very important. Uh, so if you're making plans, you can let a person know, a person who is self-centered in advance, that you need to be home at a certain time or that you will wait for them. It's okay for them to be 10 minutes late. And it's not, you, you, if they already let you down one time or two times, then, then you would have to leave. So number two, Find ways to cope uh, if you cannot disengage. That is, in some cases, you may not be able to truly separate from a self-centered person uh, because they're a family member or co-worker and you see them every day. In this scenario, you can be helpful um, for, to them a, a little bit, but by giving them the, your time. Uh, and then you remind yourself that uh, what they're doing, how to say it, that you, you give them your attention because again, you cannot, let's say it's your boss who, who likes to talk and to, to share. But at the same time, you think, if you cannot say, I'm sorry, I have to go, uh, you think that they're doing it uh, because they have a need. It's just part of your responsibility. It's your work uh, description, kind of. So, and remember that it's not just about you, that they're disregarding you and they're not interested in you. It's their personality. So they would do this and probably do it to other people because otherwise there is this feeling of being used and helpless. No, you are used, yes, but helpless, you could quit, but you make a choice to have that job or you can disengage completely from, if it's a relative, you can say, you know, it's a one-sided relationship, I'm not interested. But if you're not ready to say goodbye to this person, then you say, I'm giving him a gift. This is my donation to this family member because he, he or she may be in need or some are really invalids because they, they cannot stop. They're really like people who, who are uh, not healthy. Something is missing in them. So you commit yourself to a certain amount of time uh, as a donation. Uh, another little tool, redirect upsetting dialogue uh, to some other conversation. If something that if you get uh, 
tired of what they're saying, you can actually say, excuse me, if you don't mind, I would like to change the subject and at least uh, ask them a question or bring up something that may be interesting to you. Because self-centered people doesn't mean they're stupid people, doesn't mean that they don't know. So there is always something we can learn from everyone, right? So that's, remember, that's if you are stuck, you cannot get rid of this person for one reason or another. Um, another tool is learning to let things go by expressing your emotions um, when you come home. Let's say it's a cord worker who is getting on your nerves. Again, you say, I, or, or particular boss, you say, this is necessary to me. Uh, and But my wife or my husband will hear me out. I will be able to vent at home. That's all. Now, the third, the third uh, way uh, to protect yourself is be realistic with your own expectations. Though some people can grow to be more thoughtful and self-aware, it's not important uh, it's not important really where they are. They, they may grow out of this self-centeredness, they may not. But you leave it to their own journey, their journey to, their, to themselves, which means you don't say, oh, I wish this person would change, or one day he will understand, because a person may never understand. Only, remember I said, uh, uh, or the article said that self-centered people lack the ability to hear any feedback. So which means they lack the ability to grow. So don't have the expectation that they will grow and begin to understand you at some point. It may never happen. I, I think, uh, again, six, seven months ago, maybe even eight months ago, I spoke about the whole subject of expectations. Uh, and I even gave you, I think, a diagram how expectations lead you to disappointment, disappointment leads you to uh, hurt, hurt leads to blame, and so on, the whole cycle. So if you have expectations that a self-centered person will change, you are up to most of the time, you are disappointed. Unless people, this you have to know, unless people are interested in growth, uh, nothing, they, they, they will not change. Uh, they will not change. So you don't expect, don't expect them to change. Just say, figure out how you can protect yourself. Uh, and also, you can, uh, you can actually use this person. I'm not saying become a user, but if a person is self-centered and you are interested in growth, personal growth, then you can say to yourself, I am practicing patience. I am practicing my skills of communication. Um, I think I recommended to you uh, a book by Marshall Rosenberg, Nonviolent Communication. It's, by the way, taught, taught in, uh, in the United Nations. So fantastic book. You buy the book. It, no matter where your relationships are, 
they will improve if you read the book by Marshall Rosenberg. So, and you uh, learn the tools that um, NVC, they call nonviolent communication is teaching. And then you practice these tools on people who are self-centered. You know, most of the time when people need coaching, let's say boxing or, or some other competitive sport, you actually pay the trainer, you pay your coach. So the coach would resist, let's say in boxing, in, in wrestling. They would fight you so that you become better having a strong opponent, right? And here you have an opponent, quote, or uh, a person to practice on for free. You practice your skills for communication. Uh, any calls we have? No, nobody has any questions, any feedback, what we are discussing? No? Okay. Now, number four. Uh, number four, way to, to, to deal with a self-centered person is to tell them how you feel. <laughs> you, we're in dangerous waters now. Well, there is a chance that self-centered person is truly unaware. And if they would become aware, they, they would change their behavior. Like, I, I'm telling you, I was, uh, when I was 17, 18 years old, I, I think I was quite self-centered. Not that I never helped anybody or, or I wanted to say just thought about only myself. Well, I think I just thought only about myself, truly. I think it's always all about me. Yeah. But, but somehow I was interested in change because I remember uh, I, I was shocked by what I discovered with, with this tea story. And I, from that time on, I started watching myself. And then, remember, at the age of 18, I went to military. And there, I, I was already aware of it because like, I, I was deeply moved by that experience. And I practiced already uh, caring about other people and extending myself in military, which which actually was <laughs> very good. Uh, so anyway, there is a possibility that that a person is interested uh, in change. That's why we don't discard them. You know, they're bad people. They're self-centered, and therefore we don't want to communicate with them. Maybe they maybe become very good friends better than before because you help them out. Uh, that's why it's important to voice your concerns if you want to continue that relationship uh, without adding your resentment and without using them, as I said, for practicing your skill for communication. If you feel like this person is important to you and you want to give them the opportunity to change, share your experience with them. Have your feedback focus on how you feel, uh, whatever you feel, that, that there is an imbalance in your relationship, and provide few examples. 
And if the person has the heart, again, who is interested in, in growth, they will, they will respond. They will, uh, like, I, like, I'm so, I'm so fortunate, I'm telling you, I'm so happy that my sister gave me that opportunity. I, I never forget about it. Uh, and I am, I'm quite certain that if this person is a good friend, and you share with them, frankly, uh, you tell them, not accusing, why do you, not asking, why do you do this and this? But you, um, that is, you don't pass the judgment, but you make observations. Uh, we, by the way, we also have uh, covered the subject of judgment. So I would, if you are dealing with self-centered people, uh, it's very important that I, I think uh, you you do it without judgment and do. It's one of the first subjects that I was covering when I started talking about fifth pillar of well-being was judgment. I think the second subject. So it's very important not to judge. Uh, by, the, uh, by the way, the, the book um, Nonviolent Communication talks about it, how to make observations, but not judge. When you make observations, people are much more uh, prone to responding in a nonviolent, not resentful way. So but you have to find a way to speak, uh, share with your observations on how, what their actions, uh, what, they, what they do affects you and how much, um, how differently you would feel if they would act such and such way. And um, that it, it would be good for you, but also it would be, you believe, good for them because it would enrich them and help them to grow. That's, that's uh, as you noticed, as I said from the beginning, it was all about dealing with self-centered people. Uh, but what about uh, if you are, if you know that, that you are self-centered, if you were alert, you were the one who was alerted that you're self-centered. Well, I have to, before I tell you how you begin to work with it, first I want to say, if you discover you're self-centered, more than likely, this self-centeredness has a purpose. I, I don't know what purpose. It can be many different purposes. Uh, first, let's start with uh, my making tea for myself. And I'm, I'm sure that this was just a symbolic, that is, the world revolved around me. I was kind of a spoiled kid that everybody catered to. So, but it did serve a purpose. It did serve a purpose uh, because it it taught me uh, on a long run that that I one that it's not a good idea. I understood, but it also uh, 
was helping me with my insecurity. Because a person who is insecure needs uh, his, her ego to be built. Uh, it, it may sound strange, but I, I actually remember uh, my teacher Colette told me once a story. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful story. When she was a little girl, she received, you know, she was from a very noble family in Algiers. And uh, a queen of Madagascar was visiting her family. And Colette was five years old. And her father was a medical doctor. And he, he uh, as a doctor, understood that she may uh, lose her vocal cords. She may not be able to talk. If she continues talking, she needed to not talk for a couple of years, which actually saved her voice. Uh, but it, the World War I started, but her father put a tape on Colette's mouth and said, Colette, you do not take off the tape. You lift it only to eat, uh, but you do not talk till I come from, from the war. And Colette indeed was walking with this tape on her mouth and suddenly Queen of Madagascar saw Colette with the tape on her mouth. And the queen said, tell me why you were wearing it. And Colette looked at her and Colette told me, she, she was so impressed. The woman looked at the queen and Colette lifted um, the tape and whispered to the queen that this was her, father, her father's order and she cannot talk till he comes from the war. And the queen of Madagascar was so impressed that she called, she clapped her hands and said to bring her jewelries and said to Colette, choose one, whatever you want. And uh, Colette said she looked at all the things and there were big golden pieces and so on. And she found a, a pearl necklace, a small pearl necklace. And Colette showed on the necklace and said that this one. And the Queen of Madagascar said, you are a very special girl because of all this big, big amount of uh, jewelry, this pearl is the most beautiful and the most expensive. So it belongs to you. And she gave it to Colette. So, but this just to entertain you, the story. But that what happened later on, she told me about a person that I knew very well who came to visit Colette uh, with his wife. And his wife was very, very jealous, very jealous and very insecure. And they all, she and her husband and few other people uh, decided to study for like a couple of weeks, taking classes with Colette. And she saw how this woman, the, the wife of the man, um, how she was intolerant with other women and how uh, she was picking on them because Colette knew she was so insecure. And so she decided uh, to give her a gift and she went and brought these beautiful pearls and said, you know, you are so beautiful. 
So I think these pearls will be beautiful on you. Please take them. She told the story that it was a gift from a queen of Madagascar. And then this woman, Colette, told me, felt so superior, so powerful, so beautiful, that she stopped competing with, with other women. And from that time on, she felt much better and was in peace and was not aggressive. So I also had an opportunity now, took the opportunity to tell me, to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, what an incredible woman my teacher was. By the way, when you would come to visit her, you never left without a gift. She always gave things away because, people, because she did not charge money from her students or, or people. People came constantly from seven in the morning to seven in the evening, except the break, and she took a nap. And everything was for free. And but people thought, like, you know, if they don't pay, they have to bring a gift. And they always brought her scarves and and sweaters and so on. And she would say thank you. And then uh, she would keep a present till she finds someone um, who would look good in that present. And she would give it to a person. And she did a couple of times in front of me. And she said, people don't know, you know, they feel obliged. Uh, to bring a present, I cannot say no, because they selected it. And, uh, and one, one time, one of the students of her students gave her a gift. And Colette looked at it, I don't remember what it was, I just remember she Colette looked and said, this is magnificent. And then we spent all day and in the evening, a woman came, uh, just as a we were all students, and this student gave Colette this gift. Uh, but a client or a patient, Colette didn't have patients, she called them also students. But a person who had some problems, a woman who had problems, came in, and Colette took this gift. I think it was a, a scarf. Uh, she took this scarf and gave it to this woman and said, this is so beautiful on you, take it. A woman was very happy, but then one of the students said, Colette, how, how could you do this? I gave this to you in the morning and you are giving it away. Colette said, you give it, gave it to me and you want me uh, to be obliged to do something with it or you gave, give it to you back or you, it's totally for me. It's my, I, I, I'm the owner of it. She said, of course, for you to be the owner. She said, so I enjoyed the gift from you. Uh, I enjoyed receiving it, and then I enjoyed it the second time giving it. So uh, that was her lesson also. But going back to insecurity, I think that uh, somehow uh, I, I was quite insecure from young age, maybe because I didn't pronounce <laughs> half of the letters. I couldn't, for example, say letter R. R. My, my last name is in Russian, Reznik. I couldn't say R, I would say Weznik. And I couldn't say letter Sh, Ch. It's like I would say S. So maybe because of that, but I felt quite, quite insecure, if just to think honestly. And maybe that's because of, because of this, of constantly catering to me. My, my sister and my brother gave me that sense of security so that at one point, 
I could say, I am full. Now I can start giving. Uh, anyway, but that's one of my interpretations. I'm not sure that I'm right. Uh, so the question is, how, what do you do now? Let me give you a little homework of what you do now if you found yourself um, being self-centered. Uh, first, you take one week and simply observe if that is true and what situations you are self-centered in. Because sometimes it is in certain life circumstances, maybe, you know, you are self-centered when it comes to uh, attention and maybe food because you, you lacked food as a child, or maybe you lacked attention, maybe you were in, growing up in, in a big family and you, nobody gave you attention, now you suddenly need that attention when you have an opportunity to get it. So first you just observe without judgment, just notice and say, here goes, let's say, I, you say your name, speak in third person. That is, here goes Peter, acting self-centered. That's it. Remember, you cannot disown what you don't own. So you act, you, you acknowledge that you're being self-centered, totally accepting it. The second, you ask people close to you uh, to, to watch and to notice to what degree you are self-centered. Uh, and finally, a third, you ask them when you speak, like let's say you are monopolizing time, it's all about you, if they notice. You can ask one or two friends. If you act or sound in self-centered way, they give you, give you some sign. Let's say they lift, they show you a, a palm or they make a fist so that you would become cognizant that you are acting in a self-centered way. So that's how they will help you. And, you. and you simply say, oops. Remember, there was a great master teacher of the first century, uh, Gilel, who said, if I am not for me, who is for me? If I'm only for me, what am I? If not now, when? So it is not important to be always for others and not for yourself, because first you take care of yourself. You have to be uh, aware of your needs and satisfy your needs. But then remember, but if I'm only for me, what am I? So if you are only about yourself, if you are self-centered, who are you then? The world does not revolve around you, particularly if you're interested in understanding the spiritual reality. One of the reasons we come into this world is, as my teacher Colette said, climb the ladder of yourself to become the best of yourself. And if you're self-centered, it's for sure uh, a good journey to go on, on, on mastering the aspect of yourself. And finally, if not now, when? So if you think that you are a self-centered person, start now. Start 
today and next week. Give me a call and let me know what you noticed. I uh, I was gladly sharing with you with my own experience about being self-centered because I want you to know it's it's just like any other quality, any other challenge we're here to work on. Nothing is terrible. Everything served its purpose at some time. And now it may you may act habitually. So you can change it. That's it. Celebrate yourself. Give yourself respect. If you are alive, you face challenges in life. If you lived 30 years already, you, you talk, talk to 25-year-old, they will tell you, yes, there were many challenges I faced. If you lived 50, whoa, whoa, whoa. So just, if, just to live, uh, it's a challenge. It's not always holiday. So your job is to climb the ladder of yourself and celebrate your own victories, always remembering to give yourself respect and not to judge when you stumble. Only observe that you stumbled and give it another chance. And that's all. Now our time is coming to an end. For some reason, maybe because I am uh, far, uh, and nobody decided to call. I hope, uh, my dear listeners, uh, you, were, you were hearing me. It looks like I'm connected. Uh, and I hope to get some feedback or maybe emails from you with your questions or comments. Uh, thank you for being with me today. I'm looking forward to having your attention next week, Tuesday uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern time in America. Peace to all who want to live in peace. Be happy.